0: Societal sexism and
1: patriarchy has leaked into the physics profession very intensely. He asked us to start the meeting with a discussion of whether or not there was any discrimination against women in astronomy. I was totally gobsmacked, I mean...
2: The percentage of women in this discipline is low. Women developed their activities in a masculine environment.
3: Without allies, this entire discourse could not have started.
4: And these discussions were written up uh, in a guiding document called the Hyderabad Charter.
5: And we hope we can come up with some concrete suggestions for that.
6: Sexism and patriarchy directly trigger inequities in science and research. That's perhaps cold news. Iniquities, of course, uh, could be based on gender, caste, age or ability and now they are increasingly being called out, questioned and sometimes corrected in heartening and exemplary ways. Today we are talking about a group of women scientists in India who felt the need to call such iniquities into question and do something about it and not just uh, push it into a time in future when there will hypothetically be enough women leaders to make change. This group of women physicists in India is vocal about gender issues in a discipline of science that has traditionally been considered a male bastion. I am your host, Shubhra Priyadarshini, and on this episode of the Nature India podcast, we take a look at what triggered the formation of the Gender in Physics working group at the Indian Physics Association, and how that is changing the gender discourse in physics in India. And while we are at it, we'll sneak a peek at a big international conference on women in physics happening in July 2023 in India for the first time. But first, let me turn to Prajwal Shastri, past chair of this Gender and Physics Working Group. To give us a little bit of background, what kind of experiences really triggered this movement?
0: Well, so it was both my own experiences and how my women and men peers were treated. Decades ago, when I was a PhD student, there was this really annoying experience of being seen as a woman first, above all else rather than as an ordinary PhD student passionate about doing science. Of course, there were the usual things, you know, like women being expected to play so-called womanly roles, like handling the snacks and so on. There was also the shocking way in which institutions handled bad behavior. Uh, which we now call sexual harassment, although when I was a student, we didn't even know that phrase. So it was bad enough that the bad behavior happened, but the way institutions handled them was in this sort of boys will be boys kind of framework. And that was really shocking. And I saw this happen repeatedly. I started to see that meritorious women were disqualified based on their family status. And only women were disqualified, not the men. But I personally have known cases where a woman's application was not even considered if the people on the committee somehow found out by some other means that she had a fiancé or significant other in a different city. I have also multiple times heard the statement, how can we give two jobs to the same family? And this was indeed reflected uh, in the landmark study commissioned by the Indian Academy of Sciences and led by sociologist Anita Kuru, where uh, they did a survey and they found a similar result that women with PhDs in science who did not have jobs did not say that it was because of family responsibilities that they were not in the mainstream. They said it was because they didn't get jobs. I have heard and seen scientists Even my own colleagues encourage young men, you know, who come to us as summer students or interns, to the corresponding young women, they will say uh, that the young women have to work really, very hard in order to manage their family and do their physics Mm -hmm. at the same time. And they cannot have it all because physics is difficult. Scientists are being oblivious to the fact that young women also exercise agency and choice. And that oblivion is quite disconcerting. Basically, societal sexism and patriarchy has leaked into the physics profession very intensely.
6: And so, obviously, people in leadership positions need to be cognizant of these issues.
0: So, the need of the hour is to then educate our leaders of institutions, the gatekeepers, faculty members, indeed everybody, about how patriarchy has played out in our society and therefore how we are all regardless of our gender, uh, brought up to accept the sexist thought and sexist action, to quote uh, bell hooks. So we need to look at the evidence and we've published some of it in our papers and we need to stop shooting these loose cannonballs, you know, things like things will only change if we start young, things will only happen if we have women leaders, etc. Because they just become excuses for inaction on what can be changed here and now. And that's how this working group was born? It was actually triggered uh, by my participation in the International Conference of Women in Physics of the IUPAP. And the most important outcome of these conferences is the recommendations for the physics profession, which countries then debate in their own national forums. In 2011, I uh, first participated as India's team leader in this series of conferences. And I realized with a bit of a shock that every country had their national forum, uh, but India did not have such a forum. The Indian Physics Association, which was a membership-driven professional association, was the right association under which uh, to have such a working group. Um, I submitted a proposal to the IPA on Women's Day, actually, in 2016. They formally approved it a year later, and I became the first chair.
6: This was 2017. These women in physics have mandated themselves to raise awareness of gender issues. Shubhavati Goswami, a professor in the Theoretical Physics Division of the Physical Research Laboratory
4: in Ahmedabad, tells us how the movement is reaching deeper and wider. We are also coordinating the participation of India in the International Conference on Women in Physics and in Presenting the gender status of India in country papers in these conferences and we formed gender groups in sub areas of physics like we have a gender group in high energy physics and condensed matter physics to discuss in depth about the specific issues that a subject uh, can face. And we are also coordinating with the Astronomical Society of India's Gender Group, the Working Group on Gender Equity. Recently, we have started organizing a lecture series called Pavinari, Padarth Vigyan Ki Nari, in which we are having uh, lectures on women uh, pioneers in uh, physics uh, who often are forgotten and uh, ignored in uh, history to uh, showcase their work as a token of intergenerational solidarity as well as to inspire younger generation.
6: A significant milestone in this journey of women in physics in India has been the Hyderabad Charter, a set of guiding principles that has now been endorsed by over 500 physicists committed to the cause.
4: In 2019, uh, we organized a conference in uh, Hyderabad University This was the first conference in India in which uh, physicists and uh, also social scientists and these discussions were written up uh, in a guiding document called the Hyderabad
0: Charter. So the Hyderabad Charter is a set of 10 guiding principles for people to keep in mind when they design mitigational interventions. And a set of recommendations for institutions, for the classroom, for conferences, and for national agencies. It was inspired by something called the Baltimore Charter by the American Astronomical Society of India, which came out in 1992. That landmark event happened while I was a postdoc in the U.S. And it really opened my eyes to how the causes of the gender gap that we see are systemic and structural within our profession. And more importantly... There are too many interventions today which are in the framework of fixing the women. And the charter is clearly and loudly stepping away from that. So hiring, promotion, leadership positions, all of these need to be based on evaluating the individual's merit alone uh, without any hidden norms about family status and all of that. And also mentors need to mentor young people in the same way, regardless of their gender and encourage them equally.
6: The Baltimore Charter of 1992 inspired the Hyderabad Charter. Director of the Yale Center for Astronomy and Astrophysics, Megan Yuri, was one of the authors of the Baltimore Charter. Meg is telling us now what she thinks has changed since then or what has remained the same.
1: I remember when we were organizing the Baltimore meeting, one of the people on the organizing committee, so someone who presumably was committed to doing this, uh, he asked us to start the meeting with a discussion of whether or not there was any discrimination against women in astronomy. I was totally gobsmacked. I mean, really? (laughs) Really? That's what we were talking about? But um, later I realized, well, if he, you know, if he needed to be persuaded, then that's telling you where you are. You're, You're pretty far back in terms of progress. Anyway, I think worldwide, the discussion of the rights of women have certainly advanced in the last 30 years, but I think we still have a long way to go. It's easier to deal with that if you have a class-based society where you can can afford to get help raising your family, or if, if you are in, actually in a liberated society where uh, many men feel it is their half their job to help that raise is. children. But if in India that is not the norm, then I think that's a cultural, a societal uh, barrier that has Mm -hmm.
6: to be overcome in some way. Most of these discussions also point to the importance of male allies in the gender discourse. Ram Ramaswamy of the Department of Chemistry at the Indian Institute of Technology, Delhi, tells us what it takes for allies to support the cause and help move the needle.
3: Well, for about... 20, 25 odd years now in India, particularly, we've suddenly woken up to the fact that uh, all our organisations uh, are not very diverse and not very inclusive. And uh, the only way in which this uh, could have changed is that you know those who were already in the system were aware or were made aware of the lacuna. In short. Without allies, this entire discourse could not have started. And it was important that uh, there were some people who realized early on that uh, the state of affairs could not continue the way it had been going on for the past so many years.
6: Two of Ram's much acclaimed books, Vati's Daughters and uh, Girls' Guide to Life in Science, have actually had a solid impact on these discourses in India.
3: Uh, I'm not sure that they've done much uh, more than to sensitize a lot of, a lot of different people. Actually, Vati's Daughters and the Girl's Guide, uh, which I co-edited with uh, Professor Rohini Godbole, who was one of the early champions of this discussion, was an outgrowth of the, an effort by the Indian Academy of Sciences. And they were just asking a question of, you know, how do we attract more women into science? What was unusual about uh, Lilavati's daughters, uh, which we did not realize at the time, is that we talked about fairly ordinary people. You know, I mean, they were extraordinary women, but you know, we didn't have to wait for them to get Nobel prizes before we we saw them as role models. But we felt it was important to tell the story from the viewpoint of a woman who was successful uh, without being extraordinarily so. Um, That is to say, we weren't looking for the Marie Curie's, but we were just looking for people whom uh, other people could emulate. It is a point that has been made frequently that uh, Indian science is dominated by uh, upper class, upper caste uh, elite. And uh, this is also true of the kind of representation of people there is in Leelawati. There were few people from some areas. There were a lot of people in mathematics, a lot of people in theoretical physics. And, you know, so the representation was skewed. And at some point in time, we said that Look, we want to talk to a young girl who is trying to choose a career. So we should really try to make a book which would be something like an A to Z uh, of women in science. So, you know, women in astronomy, women in biology, women in chemistry, all the way up to women in zoology different regions of the country, different groups, different communities, and so on.
6: And how does all of this fit into the global picture for women, particularly in physics? Lilia Montes, Chair of the Global Union Working Group for Women in Physics from the Institute of Physics at Mexico's Meritorious Autonomous University of Puebla, explains how.
2: Let me tell you something about the Global Gender Gap in Science project. This was funded by the International Science Council and it organized a remarkable survey in 2018. There were around 32,000 respondents from 159 countries, half male and half female, showed that the gender gap in science exists across all regions, among development levels, students, postdocs, scholars, And among all participant disciplines, in summary, women's experiences are less positive than men's. In physics, in particular, this is highly relevant for two reasons. First, the percentage of women in this discipline is low. And second, as a consequence of the first one, women developed their activities in a masculine environment, in many cases in disadvantage because they are at charge of duties assigned by traditional roles, such as a child and elder care. Therefore, we have two challenges in our community. First, to increase the number of female physicists, and at the same time, build a supportive environment with equitable opportunities for everybody where this is still lacking. The global physicists' community through
6: conferences such as the International Conference of Women in Physics, is actively supporting local country-based efforts, for instance, the ones in India.
2: In my case, I can tell you that attending this conference, it has been very, very important because I have seen several initiatives in different countries, and I tried to uh, adopt it, not only in in Mexico, but also in a regional level and it has been successful. In India, I have seen that there are many programs to support women and to encourage uh, young girls to study physics, science in general, but physics in particular. So that's why it is, is very important to have all this framework. And in particular, also, organizing the eighth conference now in July, it will be also a hallmark because now, Many participants from India would be able to exchange ideas. The International Conference
6: of Women in Physics is being hosted in India online in July this year. Vandana Nanal, chair of the Gender in Physics Working Group of the Indian Physics Association, explains what the Indian edition might try to achieve.
5: So, we feel this is a fantastic opportunity for India to increase the awareness locally as well as globally. About 80 countries participate and we really look forward to these deliberations because the outcomes kind of will, like a Hyderabad charter, will give us some guidelines to present to the authorities to see very crucial input before significant policies are made or the changes which are required in the policies and so on. The very early participation of very senior physicists like Professor Nandini Trivedi, who now is in U.S., Professor Sumati Urao, Professor Rohini Gorbole, Professor Nilima This We have had uh, organized many satellite events around the main conference, showcasing the work done by women physicists, also discussing pertinent issues like career challenges for women. We will have several panel discussions like discussing women's role in leadership. There are also some focused efforts for women, recruitments in various institutes and we hope we can come up with some concrete suggestions for that. In fact, we are sure of that. I think this is one very important uh, achievement to break the stereotypes and move into that.
6: And on that positive note, we hope the women in physics achieve greater milestones in all that they aspire to do. Some of the personal stories of repression and harassment that we heard from many women scientists and their allies did not make it to this podcast just to safeguard them from any possible backlash. And of course, with the hope that these stories remain in the past. Here's hoping science and research, especially physics, is rid of iniquities of all kinds in times to come. It's me, your host, Shubhra Priyadarshini, signing off from this episode of the Nature India podcast. Keep listening to us as we embark on another brand new season.